Reuben Morgan, Tim Hughes, or Matt Redman? If you had to choose, who would you go for? Or if those names don't mean anything to you, Handel's uh, Wonderful Messiah, something by Bach or something by Beethoven. Who would you opt for if you had to choose the one? Does one of them stand out to you and you go, yeah, that really works for me? Maybe Brian Williams, Justin Welby, or John Sentamu, or David Hope. Which of them works for you? Oh, Keir, Mike, Richard, Nicola, Tim, Lydia, Tom. How does it work out for you? It's really easy in church life to spend an extraordinary amount of energy circling around something that is of peripheral importance to the kingdom of God. Sitting in our staff meeting the other day, I had an extraordinary image go through my mind. It was a picture, I think, of our church. And it was at a point where I was trying to work out how I was supposed to conduct all the different things that I've been told about in the last two weeks since I came back from sabbatical. On a near daily basis, I'm receiving a significant email from someone telling me that either we needed to start something or stop something, begin something or do something better, uh, that we hadn't done this, we have to do this, and if this thing's not done soon, well, there may be consequences to it. <laughs> How do you possibly orchestrate these things? And then the picture I had in this staff meeting was of a conductor standing on his podium. And around the podium, you could see in a sort of, a, in, in a segment, a small orchestra in front. And the conductor was conducting. And I quickly realized that I wasn't the conductor. But as the lights came on, the segment got wider and wider until it took a 90 degree angle, a 120 degree angle, 180 degree angle, and then went right round 360 degrees with more players in the orchestra than you could possibly just count or imagine. The life of the church here. And the conductor in his extraordinary skill would wave his baton. That's what it's called, isn't it? A baton. And the player would play and another woman do. And somehow because it was a supernatural conductor, the conductor was able to conduct the entire orchestra without being facing uh, them at all. And of course the conductor is the Holy Spirit of God, isn't he? The only one who can know the ins and outs of every player in the orchestra. The only one who can bring us into a glorious harmony. The only one who can utterly unite us in Christ and in God. So an extraordinary amount of effort is spent in churches and touch circles on what this uh, passage will call foolishness, but is perceived to be wisdom. <laughs> if we did it my way, it would work, they say. Or if we did it so-and-so's way. If only we did it John Sentamu's way. If only we worshipped in this manner. Everything would begin to work. But Paul says, don't deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks they're wise by the standards of this age, they should become a fool so that they can become wise. And I think in our culture that's particularly 
complicated statement to break down and try and work out what it means. Surely we should use our talents, our skills, our gifts, our experiences um, to duplicate what we've seen working in different places. Maybe you remember as uh, Maggie was a member of the wonderful Christchurch Clifton back in the day to some of the glorious um, talks of uh, James Jones or others there and, and how student ministry escalated in that time. Others in our church can remember some of the glory days of Holy Trinity Brompton and how the growth was there. Uh, others can remember St. Paul's Hammersmith. Others can remember St. Mary's Bryson Square. I can remember the New Frontiers churches I was part of, the student churches I was part of. We have many different experiences, don't we? And when we take our eye off the ball, the tendency is to think this. It used to be like that. (laughs) Or so-and-so did it like this. And if only we could just capture that. Maybe it's not historical. Maybe it's current. One of the a great tendencies of, uh, of the post-summer Christian world is to think about conferences that we've been to. And, um, and many of us have been to wonderful conferences this summer. We were just watching a video about Soul Survivor. The, the young people have been to this wonderful Soul Survivor. And you sort of think, well, if only we could regain that momentum uh, in all of the local churches in the country, that, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Who argues something very different in 1 Corinthians. In his context, he's been dismissed by this church that he's actually founded. He's been dismissed by them. They say, Paul, you're not very impressive. Your speaking style seems to sputter a bit. You don't wear clothes that are as nice as the new apostles who have come in. You don't sound like a great philosopher in this amazing city we're in. You don't sound good enough, you don't look good enough, you don't speak well enough. And he says, actually, I'm not trying to impress you with form. I'm not trying to impress you with externalities. And if you want to get what you can have in God, then become a fool. Because the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. And when you think that you're being clever and crafty, it says he catches the wise in their craftiness. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they're futile. Somehow he says there's a foolish way you can walk in. And that's the way where his power is at work. I've often, when I've been trying to mentor enthusiastic people, I've taken them back to a time in my life, which may resonate with uh, some people in the congregation who particularly like the stillness of this service. There was a time in my life when I was uh, at university. I was a very excitable and excited Christian, following Christ as well as I knew how. And someone in a practice I highly don't recommend (laughs) sent me a letter anonymously. This anonymous letter... Um, was, I believe, of God. It was posted near Gatwick. If anyone knows who posted it, anyone listening online, do do, you write in and tell me. I'd love to know who you were. Um, It was posted from Gatwick, and it, it said this. You look for God where you see the wind blowing strongly, 
where you can see God's wind moving strongly and there's, there's waves in the waters around you. Do, do you understand what that means? Just so there's a sense of God's doing something there. That's where you look for God. But God is often best seen where the waters are still and the reflection is obvious. And something about that stilled my heart. And I realized that in the foolishness of a, of a tiny meeting or a bad preacher or a terrible piece of organ playing <laughs> or whatever it may be, God may be more manifest than in the highest production, most crafted talk that anyone's ever delivered. After all, we know, don't we, that so often these highly crafted occasions may be covering up for different failures in lives. And sometimes it's that unknown gentle pastor who's run a church that's never done anything, where you look at them at the end of the life and you go, crikey, they seem to know Jesus well. So who do you choose? Reuben Morgan, Tim Hughes, Matt Redman, Focus, New Wine, Soul Survivor, Kaifen Lee, Faldi Brennan, Lee Abbey. <laughs> who do you choose? Out of all these different streams, the great cathedrals, Evensong, Morning Prayer, Teze, Iona, what do you choose? Well, the last two verses uh, give us the answer to this. 21, it says, no more boasting about people. All things are yours. All things are yours. You don't have to align yourself and say, I follow Paul, or I follow Peter, or I follow Apollos. You don't have to align yourself and say, I'm, I'm in this thing, this is me. Now, all things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or present, or the future, they're all yours. You're of Christ, and Christ is of God. What he's trying to say is that everything that God has, Christ has, and everything Christ has, you have. And all of these different ministers and ministries and places, if they're in Christ, you get all of it. <laughs> Why compartmentalize it? Why just say, oh, I've got that thing, when it's actually all there for you to the degree that it's in Christ? We rush around trying to make things happen, trying to make things as good as things that we remember, trying to strive after an externally verified wisdom. But the foolishness of God is more powerful than all the wisdom of man. And there's something beautiful about that, isn't there? Paul was known as the man who couldn't speak well in public. Quite possibly he had a stutter. The only description we have of him was of this sort of pot-bellied, middle-aged, balding guy. <laughs> speaking in complicated sentences. And yet a legacy lives on. Does he say, follow me, I'm the miracle worker. Follow me, here are ten miracles I did last year. He doesn't, he says, follow Jesus, follow Christ. And as a church, this year, as we think about worship, as we think about who we are, as we think about where we're orientated, let's be fools and choose to make Jesus the main thing and get everything God has for us from whoever 
may bring influence to us. May God bless his word to us.